welcome to the British Continental Podcast. The show shining a light on stories about British bike racing teams and riders at the domestic level. Hello and welcome to the British Continental Podcast. I'm Denny Gray and we have now arrived at our third episode of the 2022 Tour of Britain Diaries. In this edition, we welcome back our now regular trio of Colin Sturgis, Oscar Onley and Steve Lampier, who are joined by With Sun God's young sprinter, Jim Brown. Stage two began in Hoyk and ended in Duns. The early part of the stage was marked by a six-man break, which featured brothers Harry and Charlie Tanfield from Ribble Weldtype Pro Cycling, St Piran's Adam Lewis, Travis Stedman of Team Quebecer, Uko Peltonen of Global Six Cycling, and sportsbreaks.com sprints competition leader, Matthew Teggart of Wiv Sungod. Teggart dominated the three intermediate sprints to extend his lead in the competition to 12 points. The peloton then sparked into action in the final 30 kilometres as the race took on a trio of late Skoda King of the Mountains climbs. Teggart was the last of the break to survive as they hit the first climb of one side rig and was briefly joined by human powered health Stephen Bassett, who struck out for more KOM points, but the pair were caught just after the summit. Ineos Grenadiers then controlled the race on the narrow roads across the open moorland onto the second climb, with Jacob Scott of Wiv Sungod jumping away near the top of Main Slaughter Law to secure enough points to move into the lead of the Skoda King of the Mountains competition. Davide Gaburo of Bardiani went clear on the descent, building a 30-second lead. The Italian was caught approaching the top of the final climb of Hardens Hill, however, with German champion Niels Pollitt of Bora Hansgrower driving over the top and briefly going clear before Dylan Toynes of Israel Premier Tech countered. The Belgian was caught by Magnus Sheffield of Ineos Grenadiers, and then both were caught by a charging DSM-led peloton as they raced towards the finish in Duns. DSM put their sprinter Case Bowl into a great position, but an inspired late charge from the Great Britain team looked as if it was going to deliver Jake Stewart to victory, only for the Coventry rider to be pipped by millimetres by a late charging bowl. Race leader Corbin Strong of Israel Premier Tech finished third to take more bonus seconds on the line. Trinity Racing's Luke Lamperty was the best rider from the domestic teams in a very solid fifth, while Wiff Sungod's Jim Brown and St Piran's Harry Birchill were ninth and 11th respectively. Strong still leads the race, extending his lead to eight seconds, while Jake Stewart is second overall now. This year's race ventures onto English soil for the first time on stage three, which takes place between Durham and Sunderland. It covers a distance of 163.6 kilometres and takes in 2,478 metres of elevation, including the first category Chapel Fell climb, which begins just 40 kilometres into the stage. OK, that's the wrap for stage two, so on to our dispatches. First up, we are joined by Oscar Onley, who enjoyed a fantastic roadside reception as the race went straight past his house on the outskirts of Calso. How did it go, Oscar? Wow, that was special. In stage two today from Hoyk to Duns. It was home home stage for me, passing Kelso and passing my front door. It was it was really incredible to see all the uh, people out at the side of the road and I was really surprised going into Kelso how many people there were. It's uh yeah, goosebumps riding through through there. It was uh racing wise it was quite a relaxed day again today, just Steady pace, nothing, nothing too hard, and then a bit of stress going into the final thirty k. Some narrow roads, so we had to be positioned a bit closer to the front, 
which as a team we did really well. And then, yeah, yeah got caught up in a bit of a crash with 8k to go. So uh, managed to get back on, didn't lose any time, uh, luckily. But yeah, I meant I couldn't help the guys in the final. And, but yeah, they didn't need me. They, uh, they did a really good job. And um, yeah, from what I've watched of the... Uh, the footage back from the finish it was a really good job from all of them uh, closing the attacks and then bringing Case into the perfect position and he managed to win it was uh, yeah, I think it's also a really big victory for him and for all of us it's good for the morale for the team especially on day two it means we can got six more days to uh, yeah take that morale into the into the next stages so I think we're really looking forward to the coming stages now. Down in for, I think, Sunderland maybe just now. I'm not sure, to be honest. But yeah, down here for stage three tomorrow. Uh, another sprint day by the looks of things. So another opportunity for Case. And yeah, we're all fully behind them now. So looking forward to it. Oscar may have enjoyed a top day, but it was a much more challenging affair for Colin Sturgis and his team, despite having two riders in the break. He explains all here. Hi, it's Carl Sturgis, Ribble World Tight, Pro Cycling DS, and this is my stage two recap. Um, and my third, I think it is, Tour uh, Britain Diary. So, you lucky things. Um, yeah, luck, I'm afraid, wasn't on our side today. Um, something we could have used. Uh, day started well. Uh, we had a plan to put multiples in a break. Hopefully, well, the old adage of you know two in ten, two in twelve, something of that order. Um, so we sort of split the, the team into two threes with um, Zeb, Finn, and Ross being sort of saved for a bit later, um, and then look at Harry, Charlie, and Red to try to get in the early move um, and it worked uh, obviously we got Charlie and Harry in there um, which was fantastic it was two and six um, obviously Matt Teggett in the white jersey uh, a lad from Global 6 a Quebeco rider um, and yeah it, it all stuck and it all went well uh, good to see young Adam Lewis up there as well. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, it started well. Um, unfortunately, we're only running a single team car in the race, so that sort of necessitated me sort of hanging back for a bit um, with the bulk of the guys, trusting on you know neutral service and goodwill from some of our other teams up there, like with and um, Saint Peran, but. Harry had a bit of an issue, called me up, managed to get up uh, after a bit of a hoon and a bit of a, uh, yeah, bit of a bit of a drive through the uh, countryside. Um, got there, did a quick wheel change, got him back on, uh, which all went, you know, pretty smoothly. Uh, it's never good for a rider to, you know, have the mechanical in the brake or anything like that, but, you know, ultimately it wasn't too bad. Uh, and that's where things started to go badly. Um, unfortunately, then lads back in the uh, in the bunch started having an issue or two, and uh, the pistons on 
Finn's bike, obviously. Um, well, there's no easy way to say it, but they shit themselves. So uh, I said I'd drop back, do a bike change, which we did. Eventually managed to find somewhere decent to pull over. Got the bike off the roof. Um, checked with the commissaire that we were allowed to do so because you're not allowed to take a bike from the side of the road. You are, but anyway, that's a whole new story. Um, so, yeah, um, found somewhere that we thought appropriate. Got on the radio, told Finn, careful, two bridges, you know, possible pinch points, and then a little Bergen will be um, parked on the right, but service on the left. Everything was going okay. Uh, the bunch came past, Ineos looking fine, Israel looking fine. No orange helmets. Starting to stress a little bit. A few seconds later, one or two, and Ross came past. Crash, crash, crash. Shit. And sure enough, yep, the inevitable happened. And Finn had hit the deck. Um, so that was a nightmare. A few minutes later, red as well. So, yeah, pretty bad. Um, Finn managed to finish the stage, thank God. Uh, he's pretty cut up. And at one stage, um, we believed he had a suspected um, pelvic fracture, uh, which thankfully has proven to be untrue. Um, he's just very badly bruised and very sore and red. Um, the same, hit the deck pretty hard. Um, ripped up his new skin suit, which is a shame as he's only got the one at the moment. Um, so the poor bugger's devastated about that, even though he's... Uh, pretty sore and everything it's more about it's more about his skin suit than his his injuries um so yeah that, unfortunately that was it then um just a just a series of you know small mishaps throughout the throughout the stage ross's front mech um had been damaged in the in the same um same accident so we eventually had to do a bike change for him yeah and then you know totally up with the brutality of you know the stage. I mean, it was it was pretty bloody hard. Um, yeah, it was a great day. But there you go. That's bike racing. Um, tomorrow we have stage three, which is Durham to Sunderland. It's about 163 k's. Um, some absolutely horrible, horrible climbs. Chapel Fell, uh, which comes. Uh, 41.7 k's, tops out at 45 something. Um, category one is really steep, um, horribly steep. You come off a reasonably wide, normal A road, and then onto this smaller road, uh, and yeah, it's it's vile. It's a it's a real killer. Um, bit of a fast uh, descent, obviously, off the top of that, um, and then. Category 2, Billy Lane climb, Bishop Auckland sprint, Ferry Hill sprint, uh, and then, yeah, dropping into Sunderland. Um, the thing that could come into play tomorrow uh, is there's a lot of uncategorised climbs, um, and these, you know, they, they just take their toll. Um, it's, it's always on the legs, and it's, you know, it's just up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, and the next minute, you know, you... You're riding along one minute and you're doing 50 watts, 100 watts in the wheels and the next minute you're doing five or 600, you know, sort of popping over the top of a climb to hold the wheel. Um, 
and frankly, you know, we, um, saying we, but, you know, sort of Conti teams in general are pretty powerless when some of the bigger teams decide, you know, right, we're going to ride, we're going to squeeze on over the top of a climb, mainly because of how modern racing is ridden, um, you know, sort of the, the World Tour teams, quite rightly, you know, sort of have, you know, uh, five, six riders on the front and then, you know, the second categorised team, the next, blah, blah, blah. And some of the smaller teams end up, you know, 80, 90 riders back. Um, and you get them squeezing on, all of a sudden it's, you know, it's an elastic band that is eventually going to snap. So hopefully that won't happen, but, you know, I can see it doing so. Um, but, yeah, um, you can probably tell by my voice I'm pretty oh, what's the expression I'm not disillusioned I'm just disappointed for the guys um, you know it was a big day for us we were hoping for a lot more uh, you know um, we didn't get it and to lose Finn he's obviously had to stop he won't be starting tomorrow um, after such a fantastic year you know he's had um, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but the poor guy was, was virtually in tears at the end and you know, I gave him a hug, but you know, ultimately hugs don't win bike races. Bike riders do, bike riders in one piece do. Um, so yeah, um, I know I'm speaking for all the team here, staff and riders and management, you know, we all hope he, he bounces back pretty quick. Um, Red's okay, he'll start tomorrow. Um, but yeah, you know, it's not a it's not a great day to uh, to report on, unfortunately. But we go again tomorrow, as they say, cliche. Um, so yeah, hopefully I will have a bit better news, and uh, my spirits will be a little brighter as I plan to get up early and go out on my bike. So yeah, um, you might have heard in the background. I'm just listening to some pretty chill. LTJ Bookham from, what, jeez, probably late 90s. So, yeah, I'll end it here. Righto. Night. Night, Cole. I hope you slept well, and we look forward to your Tour of Britain Spotify playlist appearing soon. Now on to our third guest. We asked Ollie Gray to interview Jim Brown, who took a fine ninth place on stage two. Here's what he had to say. First off, Jim, like, how do you look back on the season you've had? Yeah, I think it's been a decent season, to be fair. I've kind of stepped up a little bit from my first year in this team. Um, took a UCI win back in the spring and then was third in one the other day and got a, yeah, I reckon I've progressed pretty nicely and I've developed a decent relationship with Bostock in the sprints and we've been getting him some good results as well. So, yeah, I think I've progressed pretty nicely and we'll see, see how next year holds. What have been, obviously, you just talked through a couple of wins there. Like, have you any particular standout highlights? Yeah, I guess the the win I had at the Olympus Tour was probably the the one highlight, really. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's the main one. And a good day on the gravel the other day. I was third in a in a point two out there, and I don't know. Yeah, they're probably the probably the main two. And we had the Stockton Grand Prix actually was good. One, two, three, and we just like yeah. tore the race to shreds basically. So that was a good day as well. And low points. Low points. Not any terrible points. Lancaster, maybe. I was in the leaders' jersey in the national series, and um, yeah, I had a terrible day out. Got got spat after like two hours. 
Yeah. But then I did have COVID like two days later, so I reckon it was... Okay, that was coming on. Yeah, I reckon, but yeah, it was pretty and then point. Did, it was kind of embarrassing, you know what I mean? I was in the leader's jersey, two hours in, just getting dispatched. It's not really... Yeah. Not one, is it? Yeah. And was it Ilkley where the kind of lapping oh, riders yeah. sort of cluster? Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, Ilkley, I was about yeah. to swear, but... Uh, was, yeah, that, that was that. Was that Ilkley GP? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. you went down, right? Yeah. What happened there? Yeah, I was the only one that went down. So we caught the lap riders right on the finish, and there was just like a, they were just spread across the road. They didn't know it was coming, and it was just like a one rider gap to get through. And we were kind of, I was, I opened. You were on the barriers on the right. I remember. Yeah, I opened up the sprint, so then like people coming past me kind of were like level with me, but they had to come across me to get in the gap. So I just kind of ended up. With everyone flat out breaking in front yeah. of me with a barrier to the right, and it's like. Just, and was there any like lasting impact from that? Like, did you? Nah, was there anything? It was all right. Just a bit of road well, rash, and yeah, it was stocked in two days later, and I was third there, so it was okay. It was absolutely fine. Cool. Um, coming into the Tour of Britain, how's the form been last couple of months? Do you think you've built well? Yeah. Obviously you said that you had a win win in the spring, so like, how's the how's the sort of trajectory been? Like, a good start, and then. Well, like I say, I had COVID after Lancaster. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, and then that, so that sort of was a little dip, but then I've just kind of built up since. Um, did all right in Zotagum the other day. I had good legs, but I kind of, I only came 14th in the end in a point one, but it was kind of good, good little opener. And then was third at the weekend in Holland. And then I've come straight from there to here. So I can have built pretty nicely, really. Yeah. Uh, and looked pretty strong today. And I obviously at the start of the race when we were talking through like aims and ambitions, we know there's a stage that you've got one eye on, but, um, was today a surprise? Like, talk. Well, I guess talk us through like, talk us through how it how it played out because it was a pretty mad stage when that Bardiani guy kind of managed to roll off the front and everyone was having a nice chat at yeah, the top yeah. of that climb and then it just went ballistic for the last twenty k, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah, Mike, this stage is one I was gonna gonna go for because had three hard climbs at the end, so I thought oh, I ain't getting over them, but but I managed it and yeah, it was just chaos last those three climbs just trying to get in the right place, stay in the right place, and then super fast into the finish. Yeah, it was was mad. Um, and then the sprint finish, I mean, given that, you've got to be pretty pleased with ninth, right? Like, yeah. yeah so yeah. the just expectation that was that you were going to get distanced on those climbs before, and then, yeah. what, you just found a good wheel to follow and yeah, managed to... Yeah, I'll take ninth. It's a decent start. Like, I think... I think... I kind of thought coming into this race was maybe going to be, like, two or three sort of sprints that I could get involved in, but... I think with the legs I kind of had on the climbs today, there's definitely going to be more than that. So it's a good, it's a good start, you know. I can build on it for the coming races, coming stages. But yeah, today I kind of just, I was kind of about thirtieth wheel maybe over the top of the last climb. I tried kind of not to panic on that climb and use my energy there. I didn't want to, because I kind of thought there was enough time. But then I kind of got stuck on the right a little bit, and there was just not much room. I got, I got behind Pigcock at one point, like two k to go. I thought, oh, it's a decent decent wheel to be on and he kind of there was a bit of gap and he like nipped up the right and I just I couldn't follow him because the gap got shut straight away right yeah and then um, yeah so I was maybe about like 20th wheel at like kilometre to go ended up on a Movistar guy's wheel he took me up a few places and then I kind of made a few more myself and then so you're just hopping around pretty much yeah, yeah just hopping around but using a bit of energy really which I kind of could have done with on the finishing straight but you know it's a decent start yeah um, with that in mind I guess what what are the ambitions for the rest of the race obviously team holds two jerseys at this point which is a really strong position but you have showed that you've got that form like rolling a ninth so how does that look for the rest of the race like what does 
what does a good race look like for you now? Yeah, I think, well, my ambition really is probably a top three on a stage, really, in one of these sprints. I think if we get it right, especially on a day where we've got six of us at the finish, I think um, it's definitely possible because, you know, everyone else is like, like we've got some pretty fast guys here. I'm not the only kind of fast rider, really. So, mm. you know, come the last 2K of a all-out sprint day, I think we could do a decent job as a, as a six and get me in the right place and, yeah. If we can do that, a top three could could be a possibility. That'd be nice. Yeah, great. Uh, and finally, are you are you allowed to tell us if you have a team sorted for next season? Like, what are your plans for twenty twenty three? I've not got any particular plans really. I know uh, I know Tim's making some uh, some strides forward for next year, so yeah, this is a good place to be. And uh, you know, obviously, if I was to step up to a higher level team, that'd be nice. But but no, I'm not in a bad place here. Cool. All right. Um, yeah cheers Jim all the best for for the rest of the race Uh, and then yeah back over to you Danny thanks Ollie last but not least we hear from an upbeat Steve Lampier whose team enjoyed a good day out as well as Adam Lewis winning the most aggressive rider award after his day in the break there was also a two-up attack from Alex Richardson and Jack Root and Gray on the second climb looking to relive their one-two from the Rydell Grand Prix and then Harry Birchill finished just outside the top 10 at the finish over to you Steve Stage two of the Tour of Britain, um, done and dusted, sat now. After a long, long day of sorting a lot of stuff out after the, the life of a DS, you know, the day is unrelenting, up early, driving all day behind the race, come back, debriefing riders, debriefing staff, talking to staff, staff meetings, rider meetings, yeah, team meeting, it's uh, a long day. But uh, here we are. So, yeah, really happy with how today went. It was... Um, yeah, played up perfectly. We did, we wanted either Leon, Leon or uh, Adam to get in the breakaway, and Adam, yeah, got his got his self up the road with the two Tanfield brothers and Matt Taggart and a Global Six, and yeah, they rode, yeah, they rode really well together. You know, just kept the gap. The gap went out to four minutes thirty at one point until Ineos decided enough was enough. And at that moment, the, the gap came down super quick. Um, Liam, Liam Holloham was up the road with him in Team Car 2 and giving him time checks and and, and kept, kept him fed and stuff like that. So, you know, whilst that was going on, he was, you know, telling him, you know, stay chill, stay chill. Once we get to the hills, you know, maybe try and have a go. And he did did so, and um, that won him the, uh, the most aggressive rider prize. Um, joking around today that he's actually he's a very very angry guy so yeah that was uh yeah a good a good 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 showing from adam and and then with uh alex richardson and, and jack deciding to have a go on the uh, penultimate climb which you know it nearly worked we we discussed the night before about a possibility of doing something you know we knew the finale would be quite grippy and we thought well let's give it a go but we needed to be dynamic with it you know we knew it could be a headwind so they uh yeah jack made the shout over the radio i think you know he, he he's got such a racist brain and then he, he really clever took richie with him he spoke to richie they both went you know but unfortunately they didn't get much of a, a gap you know due to the headwind but you know it shows that he's looking for those opportunities and wants to race his bike which is a, a the joy you know and it gives him confidence as well for the days to come and his career as well i mean he's you know 19 years old he's got a long way to go in the sport um but then coming into the finish you know our uh 
our mountain biker Harry. He just he no one knows what he can do. He doesn't know what he can do. And you know, he we told him put yourself in this position, dive bomb the last corner, go up the outside because the wind is going to be coming on onto your right shoulder. So stay on the left hand side. And he did so. You know. He, he was there, um, you know, he was sprinting, you know, and finished rolled across the line in 11th place, which, yeah, I mean, for a rider of his age and, and his experience, that's absolutely perfect. You know, really, really happy with how he raced. It was a little bit isolated. He didn't have anyone to help him. But I think in that situation, you know, even if he had one guy, it's another guy who would have had to have ridden round. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's there or thereabouts. But, you know, it's perfect that he what he did and absolutely yeah super happy and we had a good chat and you know we can do a lot more with this we can tweak this a lot more and you know we can see some uh big improvements coming from harry we can see you know some some exciting things to come in the future i think so but yeah after yesterday's debacle of you know the car crash there's a few videos online of the uh of the incident which yes it's not great but just shows that you know i i took the best you know at that point you know not not to hit the car not hit a spectator luckily no one was injured but it was a scary moment and it did knock my confidence a little bit really like, to start off with and it felt terrible you know you don't want anything you never want that to happen in everyday life you never want that to happen you know when you're in especially on a big race you know with you know all the big sports directors and you know the world watching you but these things happened unfortunately and you know we you know we, we we carry on but yeah it's um you know that to, to kind of ask answer your earlier question about you know what's it like being a sports director as opposed to a rider well at this moment day two you know i'd much rather be a rider because it means i can be chilling out laying down in my bed just watching mindless tv rather than doing a million and one things but you know it's good fun ultimately and i enjoy it and you know especially days like today when you get successes and you know the lads do what we've planned to do and set out and they've bought into the plan and you know and they execute that plan so yeah it's a good day all around good day all around really happy thanks as always to all of our guests and thanks to you too for listening i hope you could join us for the next episode after stage three Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a nice review. You can subscribe on all the usual channels and you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at British Conti and on Instagram, we are at the British Continental. And please do visit our website for more interviews, journals, previews and news at thebritishcontinental.co.uk.